Very well done. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That ain't just a good song. That's the truth. Amen. That's right. Nothing's going to hold us down. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. Let's turn today, if you would. I'm so glad that our Father has such a tremendous, wonderful program that is worked out for this earth and the universe and for us as well. Amen. I'm just grateful that he's allowed us to be a, a little part of it, aren't you? Amen. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. Now, just imagine in your mind that this is the setting of the millennium. This will actually be the fourth earth, or should I say the fourth stage of the earth, that it's passed from one form into another. Cataclysmic fire, great, great bombs, explosions. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that we will walk out on the ashes of the wicked. So what lays for the earth and head of the earth itself is going to be terrible, absolutely terrible. So when you place this in the right setting and think that then when all this is past, we will walk out with this. Lo, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds is come. The voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree putteth forth her green figs, and the vines with the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love. Amen. My fair one. And come away. Church age book, page 41. We then see that when the, these last of Israel have joined in love to the Lord and the enemy has been destroyed, God will prepare his holy mountain. His new garden of Eden for the bride and his and her attendants for the thousand year honeymoon upon the earth. As Adam and Eve were in the garden and did not finish out the thousand years, now Jesus, our last Adam, and his Eve, true church will fulfill all the plan of God. Thank you, Lord. Dear Jesus, thank you for such a wonderful, wonderful plan. Thank you for letting us be a part of it, Father. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would help us today. Lord, may you be able to <clears throat> minister to our hearts, our needs. Lord, we just ask that while we're in your presence, that healing and deliverance and strength will come to the people of God. 
Lord, may there not be a one of us that will be missing on that great day. We know that it is your program. It's impossible for it to fail. Help us today, Jesus. Bring your people to this position, Lord, to where we can serve you with all of our hearts. Help me to get out of the way, Lord, and speak through me, would you? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. Brother Fred, good to see you, buddy. The earths of Adam and Eve, which would have been earth number two, or the second stage of the earth, there were no poisonous animals, no poisonous plants, no meat-eating animals, no meat-eating individuals, no natural cataclysmic things taking place on the earth, hurricanes, typhoons, tornadoes, thunderstorms, things like that, could not have been because of the way the canopy of the moisture was held above the earth, the way the barometric pressure was regulated, the way the continents of the earth were not yet subdivided. Man and nature, complete, perfect harmony. Everything eating vegetation, the great dinosaurs coming through the paradise of God, the birds of paradise flying over on Adam's shoulder and cooing to him and him calling them all by names. But when man sinned, God placed a curse on this earth, we know. Not only on the earth itself, but animals and all of God's creation, something changed. Then we find that when man sinned, God actually turned nature against man. Instead of man and nature having that correlation that God give it by creation, now man finds himself at odds with nature. So animals that he would have felt very comfortable being around, they were now seeking to kill him. The elements of the air had now changed. Storms coming on the earth and man feeling afraid of the lightning and the thunder, the things that would happen. So nature actually turns against mankind. Now when the worldwide flood came upon the earth and God is now going to move the earth, the first stage of the earth as far as we know it and the time clock would have been Genesis 1-1. Then in Genesis 1-2, it would have been stage number two of the earth. Then it comes up and it endures unto the Andalusian destruction. And this time, a worldwide flood comes over the entire earth and the second earth was destroyed. Or in the sense of what Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 6, that the old world, as we looked at last night, it simply passed away. So it was a significant radical change of everything on the earth, and God considered that to be a death, because it was a death. 
So the water vapor barrier that we looked at last night that God had placed upon the earth and called it a firmament, it changed. So the earth's vapor uh, vapor of moisture and all that God had separated. Because remember, Genesis 2 tells us at this time there was no rain upon the earth. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, but a mist rose upon the earth and it was a form of irrigation. So the water come from the earth itself. So now the water vapor changes and the barometric pressure will be allowed to rise and fall to a degree that clouds will be permitted to form, which they were not prior to this. And the pressure of the earth itself will now change. So the water vapor canopy changes. The continents change. You imagine as Adam or Noah rather and his sons and their wives step out of the ark. They had went into the ark and they saw the original state of earth too. Whenever they stepped out realizing looking up into the sky and seeing that now something was totally different. The canopy of the earth and the atmosphere was different. In time, they would have found out that there was no more, no more one continent on the earth, but that the continents now had their own identity. And if you look at this, you'll find out that you and I are made very much the same way. Because before the fall, there was no continental divide in you as a mortal. Your spirit, your soul, your body, it was all in great harmony and unison in the presence of God. But when sin came upon the earth, then God also divided you. A person could be totally filled with the Holy Ghost, sealed in the presence of God until their day of redemption, and yet be totally insane at the same time. A person could be filled with the Holy Ghost, or so sealed, and yet their body ate up with cancer. Because in, in looking at it in the natural comparison to the earth and the continents being divided on the earth, so when Noah and his son stepped out, the earth looked different. It would have been beautiful, no doubt, but in the element of time, they would have found out as the explosion of the earth and they would have went toward the east and the children would have went toward the west and the north and the south and they would have then begun to understand that there was great bodies of water which had divided them and yet something moved upon men and they were not satisfied living now in Mount Ararat where the ark had settled but they wanted to adventure out. And as they did, they found later in time what was called the trade winds by which they would be able to set sail and move in the way that the earth spun around. But yet, alas, they thought initially that the trade winds only went, ran, or blew one way. But in time, they realized that as the winds blew one way in one part of the hemisphere, that they blew another way in another part of the hemisphere that would bring them back to where they came from. Then man began to find out that it could travel the globe. But in, in the beginning, it was not necessary because it was all brought together. 
Then we see that God, after the antediluvian destruction and allowing man by science to break into understanding atoms and molecular structure, and how that they broke into part of God's scientific laboratory and they learned how to split an atom and be able to make great explosive devices in so much that it would throw this earth out of the original paths that God had so designed her to be in. So the earth experienced a great change after Adam fell, but it was not totally in the state to where it would be after the antediluvian destruction. So after the flood, the earth entered into a more fallen, unregenerate state. Listen to this in Revelation chapter 4, part 3. The prophet said, Genesis 1, the earth was without form and void, and water was upon the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters and said, Let there be light. And God separated then the land and the water which made the earth, but the whole earth was covered over. Now what he did, he just threw the atmospheres and the atmosphere is filled with hydrogen and oxygen and so forth. And then he just lifted it up off of the earth and separated it and there was no sea on the earth then. God watered the earth. It didn't even come rains. He watered it through springs and things, irrigation. Notice then he said only thing he did when man blowed it out of its orbit out to one side what happened it throwed it to one side notice now so it throws it over to one side so wherever man was living in this spot remember the continents not being divided primarily the location of the civilization of man being in the eastern part of where God had placed them from there they go outside of, of the garden gate of course and they began to spread toward Mesopotamia and they go toward Iran, Iraq and so on and because of where civilization was so focused then man with his scientific achievement was able to cause such explosions that it tilted the earth only in one direction. So the earth then is blowed out of where God made her in her original stand. But she's blowed in one way. Notice now the response of the earth actually winds up in the direction from whence man is now living on the earth. And we notice this that he says it throwed it back into the heat down there and the cold up there. Now he's talking about the poles. And the hot and cold, what accumulates? Notice this is January 1961 at the tabernacle when he's preaching this. Feeling it on them windows right there, hot in there and cold outside. So on the windows of the tabernacle, Brother Branham is showing them what it was with the perspiration, as he's fixing to call it. See, the sweat and rain is nothing but sweat. So you learned something today. Rain is nothing but sweat, perspiration, and water is ashes. 
So he's pointing to the windows there at the tabernacle. All of you know it. You do it this afternoon when you go out to get your lunch and you set a drink up on the table. And if you let it sit there long enough because the temperature inside the glass is going to be so much colder than the room temperature that you're setting, then condensation will form on the outside of the glass, right? So they will put down a little napkin or a little paper, something or another, to catch the condensation on your glass. Now, originally, the earth was not made that way. It was made with the expanse of the firmament, what God called the heaven. But whenever this happened then, because man's unbelief and his sin, then he caused the earth to be blowed in a certain way so that it tilted only at one angle. Now because the earth was now covered over with water, then during the time of the flood, something was happening on the earth. So the continents were now being formed Something was going on under this mass of water as Noah was flooding in the boat rather on top. Little did he know that the earth itself was being formed into the new image of earth three or the stage of the third stage of the earth. Now when they step out, the canopy which was up here in the atmosphere had now drastically changed. And it's going to allow, of course, the weather to be totally different than what the earth had experienced before. But remember, God made the earth with that variance of degree so that whenever it would fall and be tilted 23 degrees that it would throw it totally out of sync. And he made it so that the moon would be a such a polarity pull on the gravitation of the earth that it would cause the earth to be able to cycle and work even though it's not in its original sense. Everybody with me so far? All right. Now because the earth is like a top which does not spin totally perpendicular and it stands tilted a little bit then God places the gravitational pull and makes the core of the earth when he made her with a great mass of iron on the inside. Then the iron is magnetized the gravitational pull on what? The moon. So the moon then will allow the earth to tilt like this and it'll still be spinning. Now remember we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour as we are hanging out on the universe and the reason that it does not just go off like a top sporadic and totally annihilate itself is because God allowed the moon to be there to be able to help the earth while it's tilted over. So there she spins around but then we find something on the top and on the lower end of the earth that is going to change her which is going to be her polar caps. Notice this in 70th week of Daniel. Now we got two or three different calendars. We go back to the old astronomy calendar and we find out the Julian calendar there is 365 and one quarter day in a year. They timed that by the passing of Sardis and the different stars and so forth. They timed it. Now we find, this is this, in the Roman calendar that we live under now, 365 days in a year. But in the Christian or prophetic calendar, there's only 360 days in a year. Now you might wonder how this confusion came about. Now this I can only say as myself speaking. I believe that back before the Andalusian destruction. Back in the days of Job that they kept time by the stars. And we understand or back before that time that the world stood upright. 
So when Adam fell and the earth under Adam fell with him, the earth had not yet been tilted to this angle. It was to come up in this other phase after God is going to send his wrath upon the earth again. So the earth is still going to fall even further. And it will be regulated according to man's sin. Can you see why God is going to do what he's going to do before the millennium? So then the earth still up in the second stage still stands upright like this until after the Andalusian destruction. So he said the sin of man and the overflow of the world and it, notice what it was, the sin of man and the overflow of the world, it tilted and the floods came. Therefore we have the great ice glaciers and so forth. All the top and the bottom of the earth is full of ice. We know that. And the earth does not set straight up. It sets tilted. That shook it out from where the moon and the stars from where they were looking at. Now remember the scripture tells us in Genesis 2 that the Lord God finished the heavens and the earth and the whole host of them. And the word host there is the organized army. So we're talking about the stars. We're talking about all that in the galactic heavens that God finished them and he called them a great army. So whenever Adam fell, he would have looked up into the night sky and he would saw the pattern of the stars by which a man would have viewed them from the earth whenever the earth was standing up like this. So at that time, from the time of Adam on up until the third stage of the earth, they would have saw the stars in no doubt a different pattern than what we see them now. You understand? But God so wrote the Bible in the heavens so that every stage of the earth like this and even like this, it would be in order to catch what man would be influenced on the earth, they would see a different story according to the time frame that they're in. So God knew that when the earth would be tilted like this on its axis the angle and what is called the elliptical view of the horizon that the stars would look totally different. Now for those of you that travel to different parts of the world, you know looking at some of the very same stars but you will see it in a complete different way. And it'll look totally different. I've been in Africa and Europe, Asia and different parts of the world and you look up into the night sky and you see the Big Dipper but it looks from different because you're looking at it from a different angle. So you imagine then when God placed the heavens and he placed Place all this upon the elliptical plane of the stars that God's going to put it to where that when the earth tilts this way that the inhabitants of the earth after the fall will be able to look this way and still see the 12 signs in the zodiac because they tell the story of redemption. No doubt as earth too stood up like this, they would have looked and saw the stars, but it would have looked completely different. They would have saw, you know, the things with Pisces, Arius, and all the different things, because in the heavens they are reading the Bible. You understand? Now, God, of course, is painting this because it's a great image of something he wants to do. Now, notice, Brother Bram said then, so they kept the time by it, and that shook it from where the moon and the stars were. They was looking at it, and it misplaced them, or 
you could not keep time by it anymore. So then under earth too, man was able to still look at the stars and he was able to keep time. But when the earth moves in to the third phase after the Andalusian destruction, then man loses part of the view of his heavenly Omar, his heavenly origin, and he can no longer look at it and see exactly the same thing. You imagine when Brother Branham came on the earth and began to talk about the stars and talk about the signs and all that, that the people, the religious people of the world thought the man was a witch. They thought he was absolutely just crazy. But don't you understand what it was? The heavens and the earth is on their way back together meeting again. So God's got a prophet on the earth telling the people on the earth, you're not from earth, you're actually your soul from up there in heaven. But your body's on earth and you're fixing to come back together again. Notice how he said you could not keep time by it anymore because it's setting, notice this, top-sided. So it's setting top-sided, so the earth's end is setting more of an angle like that, setting tilted back. Therefore, it would not hit them stars at the same time because it's out of cater to them stars. So now then where we are in earth three or phase three, we cannot look at them and see exactly the same pattern or the same story that Adam, Enoch, Methuselah, Jared, so on and so on saw because the earth has now tilted. So we see it in a different way. And the earth itself certainly has been through many different phases and stages. We don't know exactly how the earth is, maybe millions of years old or billions of years old. But as far as what we have been keeping time on this side of Genesis 1, uh, we're, we're living now, of course, around you know, the 6,000 year mark. And then the millennium will be the seventh day or the last day of the week of time as far as what we know. But only God knows how many years that the earth has already been here and served his purpose over and over again. And he's brought us through different cycles. An international team led by scientists of Goethe University of the Biodiversity and Climate Research Center in Frankfurt, Germany has discovered an intense warming phase around 52 million years ago in drill, drill cores obtained from the seafloor near Antarctica a region that is especially important in climate research. The study published in the journal Nature shows that tropical vegetation, including palms and relatives of today's tropical baobab trees, was growing on the coast of Antarctica 52 million years ago. These results highlight the extreme contrast between modern and past climatic conditions on Antarctica. Well, praise the Lord. So you mean she wasn't always covered with a sheet of ice? There was a time when Antarctica was a subtropical paradise. Praise the Lord. Now it's no wonder that Paul in the book of Romans tells us that the whole creation is groaning and travailing and pain together until now. Now let's move from Antarctica. Let's move to the top of Africa, the continent of Africa, into the Sahara Desert. The Sahara is the world's largest hot desert. 
at over three and a half million square miles. It covers most of Northern Africa, making it almost as large as the United States or the continent of Europe. The desert stretches from the Red Sea, including parts of the Mediterranean coast, to the outskirts of the Atlantic Ocean. Some of the sand dunes can reach 600 feet in height. Mixed in with the oceanic sands, there are large formations, boulders, stones, and pebbles. It wasn't always a vast, desolate ocean of sand around 5,000 years ago. It was a very different terrain. It was a subtropical paradise, a lush, green wonderland of lakes, vegetation, where deer and hippos and elephants, amen, were hunted and giraffes and rhinoceros roamed the area with a plentiful supply of food. Thousands of hunter-gatherers fought to live in this lush savannah. So the earth in phase three moves into such a disruptive cycle of what God intended for her to be. And yet it's through no fault of her own. The earth is not a sinner. The earth is not a liar. She's not a prostitute. She's not wicked or sinful or vile. Why has she been subjected to such? Because he has subjected her in hope. Praise be to God. These facts are evident from the discoveries of hundreds of human graves and numerous rock paintings depicting people hunting and even swimming. Boy, you'd have a hard time swimming in the Sahara now, wouldn't you? What in the world brought such a change upon the earth? And yet God allowed these rock paintings and over a hundred sites of previous civilizations to be able to be identified on the earth. Oh, I find this so amazing because many of these have just been found in your lifetime. You know, they thought for years and years and years, no civilization had ever existed in parts of these things. And yet God has allowed it to be found in your lifetime. Believe what you want to believe. I believe God knew I'd be preaching this sermon right here today before the foundation of the world. And God wanted me to be able to find these things to show you. You and your home is going back to what God intended for you to be at the beginning. God never intended for you to have sickness and trouble and problems in your home and problems in your family and problems on your job. God meant for you to be a subtropical Christian as it was with lush grass and green water. Oh my! Living in a holy place with God. God never intended for us to have glasses to help us read or to have to go to a doctor and have surgery or we use it in this life. Thank God for it. It helps us. But my brother said let me tell you today we are very fastly approaching the time when not only will this earth but our bodies as well be restored back to the original program of God where we will live forever and forever and we will never die we will never get 
just say, we will never get weary. Furthermore, radar images taken by the NASA space shuttle show that beneath the sand are networks of rivers, once spanning the entire Sahara. North Africa was once alive with people. What happened to this lush, green world? Beneath the sands of the Sahara Desert, scientists have discovered evidence of a prehistoric mega lake formed some 250,000 years ago when the Nile River pushed through the low channel near Wadi Tushka. It flooded the eastern Sahara, creating a lake at its highest level of more than 42,000 square miles. You'd never know it by looking at it now. You'd never know that you've got eternal life living inside your soul by looking at our gray hair. And by looking at our stooped shoulders and looking at our wrinkles in our face and our long sad faces because of the difficulty that we're going through. But it's just a separate sphere which has not yet been touched by eternal life. Oh, every now and then I feel eternal life come down and it quickens my body. It quickens my language. It speeds up my heartbeat a little bit every now and then and speeds up my emotion. Praise the Lord. And I go to kicking my legs around a little. That's only a four taste of one day it'll do it so fast that it won't just kick my leg but my whole body will be kicked and I'll be changed <laughs> Amen. the Sahara which covers nearly a third of Africa think of that was once a lush savanna teeming with wildlife fish filled lakes and ancient humans between 10,500 and 5,500 years ago it was a good place to live Oh my. Stephen Koropin, a geo, 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 geo archaeologist at the University of Cologne and Germany has spent the last 30 years leading excavation in the Eastern Sahara. Can you imagine spending your life 30 years in the desert sands? I'm glad I've spent my last years of my life reading the Word of God, being filled with the Holy Ghost, aren't you? A region that until recently has been largely unexplored. Kropin and his colleague Rudolf Cooper have unearthed hundreds of geological samples and more than 500 archaeological artifacts. Everything from animal bones to cave art at over a hundred sites. So what does the earth tell us? She is giving up the evidence that at one time I was not what you see now. I was at one time. I found favor in his eyes. He smiled upon me and gave me water. He gave me plants. He gave me trees. He gave me animals. But because of man, I have been cursed to this day. But it is a testimony, praise God, that the earth is going to come back and she will stand upright again and the temperature will be the same and the continents will join together again and there will be peace on the earth like has never been before scientists have found what might have been the ideal ancient vacation hotspot with a 74 degree Fahrenheit average temperature, alligator ancestors and palm trees smack in the middle of the Arctic. 
I'm booking tours. Anybody want to go? <laughs> In the millennium, that is. First of its kind core samples dug up from deep beneath the Arctic Ocean floor showed that 55 million years ago, just a few days ago on God's time calendar, near the area of the North Pole was practically a subtropical paradise. Three new studies show the scientists say their findings are a glimpse backward. Oh, yes, that's what I'm talking about. A glimpse backward. But I don't have to have core drills. I don't have to send scientists sitting out there to look like polar bears all dressed up to keep them freezing to death. I go backwards by looking into God's word and looking backwards helps me to see forwards. You understand? Oh my. Notice this. Glimpse backward into a much warmer than thought polar region. Heated by run among greenhouse gases that came about naturally. Imagine a world where there are dense sequoia trees. And cypress trees like in Florida that ring the Arctic Ocean. Antarctica is the coldest, most desolate place. So now we'll move from the top to the bottom. Antarctica is the coldest, most desolate place on earth. A land of barren mountains buried beneath a two-mile thick ice cap. Two miles thick. What happened? And it threw this part to be the coldest part. So the floodwaters just went whoop. A fast freeze. Two miles thick. But somehow, some of these guys got curious. And they wanted to be able to take a drill. And you imagine being able to drill that deep? Going down to drill cores out of the heart of your existence. And in your past, you find there are records that you were in another form. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah! That you actually existed in another state, in another world, in another phase. That you are not what you appear to be. Oh, hallelujah. Freezing winds batter its shores while weak long blizzards frequently sweep its glaciers, yet this icy vision turns out to be exceptional. For most of the past 100 million years, the South Pole was a tropical paradise. It was a green, beautiful place, says Professor Jane Francis of Leeds University School of Earth and Environment. Lots of fairy animals, including possums and beavers, live there. The weather was tropical. It is only in the recent geological past that it got so cold. In that recent geological past was when God placed man on the earth. 
Before man was here, you imagine the earth in this beautiful, beautiful place that she was. On the north, oh, what a paradise. On the south, what a paradise. Everywhere you look, a beautiful paradise. Then God places man on the earth and turns it over to him and said, it's yours. Do with it what you will. Look around. This is what man has done. Man did not have the power, of course, to be able to cause it. But when he disobeyed God's word, then the law of nature changed. And God disrupted the law of nature and set that very law against the very man that he placed upon the earth to live. Oh, but may I say to you today, my friends, we as the people of God, we are longing, are we not? We are looking for the hour when us with the earth will be restored back to God's original image. As far as a vacation destination go, Antarctica isn't much. Much of its surface is covered with a layer of ice a mile thick. Now, there are places that's two miles, but for the most part, it's a mile thick. And it experiences the lowest temperatures ever recorded on earth. The lowest temperatures ever recorded on earth. But millions of years ago, it was a tropical paradise. Compared now, at least at that point, it was covered not by ice, but by trees. And scientists are uncovering the fossil evidence of those long dead forests today. So she holds the mystery of who she is within herself. So it takes someone who is able to go down there and know where to look, Brother Dow, and know how to dig and to be able to drill down in there and break the seal and release the mystery of what her former identity was. To help her to realize right now she may have ice a mile thick or two miles thick. She might be the coldest place on earth. But at one time she was a paradise. And if she was that before, she will be that again. Why? Because God never meant for Antarctica to be the coldest place on the earth. He never meant for the earth to be tilted the way it was. But who did this? Man! Notice in northern Arizona have been found thousands of fossils of oysters, seashells, fish, and sharks' teeth in the desert. And this desert has an elevation of 4,000 feet. Praise God. But she's fixing to get another change. Isaiah 918 for wickedness burneth as the fire it shall devour the briars amen and thorns and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest and they shall mount up like the lifting up of smoke through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is the land darkened and the people shall be as fuel of the fire no man shall spare his brother Isaiah 13, 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, the day cometh, Lord, rather, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate. He shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Notice the parallel analogy render this in Jeremiah 4. But Jeremiah sees this in the vision, the second stage of the earth, as it comes into this, which we'll repeat again in the last days. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, the 
there was no man and all the birds of the heaven were fled and I beheld and lo the fruitful place was a wilderness and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by his fierce anger for thus hath the Lord said the whole land shall be desolate yet will I make not a full end your God is telling there will come another time on the earth there will be no birds flying around there will be no grass left there will be not one beautiful spot left on the earth prior to the millennium Zephaniah 1.14 the great day of the Lord is near it is near and hasteth greatly even the voice of the day of the Lord the mighty man shall cry there bitterly that day is a day of rest a day of trouble and distress a day of wasteness and desolation a day of darkness and gloominess a day of clouds and thick darkness but don't worry you're going to be enjoying the marriage supper Malachi 4.1 Behold the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. All the proud, yea, and all that do wickedness shall be stubble. The day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall neither leave them root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name, Shall the son of righteousness arise. Glory with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in that day. That I shall do this says the Lord of hosts. Now we're talking about the introduction into the millennium. Watch this in the latest in church age. He said, I'll send Elijah and I'm going to burn the whole earth. And I'm going to just clean it off. And you'll walk out on their ashes. That's the millennium. We know that. After the atomic bomb shall blow it from pieces. Then the earth. Praise God. Don't you understand what the whole word of God is about this very simple thing in your life? It's about one thing, to get you straightened up. <laughs> so atomic power, where man had civilized and where he had stayed, exploding on the earth. And it caused the earth to go... And it rocked her and shook her so much and caused the caps to freeze. And when they froze, it kept her there. So there she's been kept in time. Verse 3. But 4 is the number of earthly deliverance. Praise God. So at the end of the tribulation... Atomic warfare will break out. It's amazing when you read the prophets Daniel, Zechariah, the book of Revelation, and you hear how they describe and what terms they best knew at that time to describe a nuclear bomb. 
and how they talk about the fire and the clouds and they're looking at it hey, by vision but they don't know what to say they don't know exactly the words to identify you know whenever the prophet talked about the chariots jostling on the streets brother Ram said he was seesaw out or drive in Chicago but he didn't know to call it a car he didn't know to call it a vehicle so he just called it a chariot notice this the prophet said it will straighten it up Oh, glory to God. You imagine the earth. I'd say the Lord will let her have a little spell for a little while. She'll go to having a spell because she's been tilted over for this long. The storms have been on her. All the ice caps and all the things that went on. And God, hallelujah, will allow man to bring it right back into that final phase again. And whenever he does and the bombs begin to explode, she'll go. Praise be to God. Goodbye, Antarctica. Goodbye, the North Pole. Goodbye, two miles thick of ice. Goodbye, winter time. Amen. The winter is past. The songbirds are singing. Lo, hallelujah. Behold, I make heavens and earth anew again. Notice this, the prophet said, after the atomic bomb shall blow it from pieces, then the earth will straighten up and there will be a great day here on the earth and the church will reign with Jesus on the earth for a thousand years. Oh, notice he said, what if somebody happens to drink too much vodka someday and turn loose one of those missiles? Every nation's got them ready, just ready to pull. Why, the world couldn't survive it. That's exactly what God prophesied would take place. The heavens and the earth would be on fire and burn with fervent heat. Said before the great and terrible day of the Lord shall come, the world will burn up. Malachi 4 said the righteous will walk out on the ashes, the volcanic ashes of the wicked in the millennium. That's right. But before that day come, oh, hallelujah, he said, I'll send Elijah. Praise be to God. I'll send Elijah that will restore the faith of the people back to the fathers. And the end of the quote says, blank spot on tape. But at the end, when Malachi 4 has completed his work, there'll be a blank spot where you're sitting. <laughs> That's the spot I'm looking for, brother, sister. Notice question answers. At the return of the church, the bride, the bride in Christ shall walk out on their ashes in the millennium when the earth is purified by fire and there they shall reign. The heathen that's never heard the gospel shall be raised at that time and the sons of God will be manifested. If he's to reign, he's got to have something to reign over. He's got a domain and they ruled and reigned in Christ and Christ ruled with a rod of iron, the nation. Then the gospel, then the manifested sons of God with his authority just like he had when he was here there will come the millennium in that reign during the time of the tribulation there will be earthquakes there will be pestilence the earth will already topography will already be going on and the cycle under the sixth seal will be getting it ready oh praise God Revelation 16 tells us every valley will be brought low every mountain to our brethren will be brought low and the valleys will be exalted what's he getting it ready for the earth to stand upright for the saints of God to come in and take over Let me have a few more minutes, can I? Romans 8, 19. 
for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now this word creature actually in the Greek is creation. So Paul, it's actually as if though he makes the creation a person and projects as if though the creation can feel and long and desire and want something. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth, which means assiduously and patiently waiting for. Assiduously is not just sitting around, well, one of these old days. Yep. One of these old days. It's the neck stretched out. The eyes bulged. Looking. Assiduously. Looking. Desiring. Wanting. Praise God. Notice the prophet said God put people on the earth. Man to control the earth. The Bible said that man is a God. Did you know that? He sure is. Jesus said, is it not written in your laws that you are gods? And if they're gods, the prophets who the word of God came to, how can you condemn me when I say I am the son of God? Notice he said they're gods, fallen gods. They get a domain, the world. They're supposed to take care of it. The trees and animal life. Everything's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. When they'll be manifested on the earth. Oh, come Lord Jesus is my prayer. Oh, for the great millennium when they'll be manifested. Praise God. We're getting ready now for this to come. The church has got to get ready. We know that. We know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pains together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also. We have received the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Those of you that's got the Holy Ghost, you know there's nothing in this world you want. There's nothing in the world that can satisfy you. But why are you longing? Why are you hungry? Why are you searching? Why are you thirsting for? Because you ain't got a body yet that matches your soul. And here you are in the struggles of life and you got ice and you got storms and you got difficulty all around you but you weren't made to have storms. You was not made to be in this cold state that we find ourselves in Laodicea. Notice he said all creation is groaning. Look at the trees, how they struggle. Look at the flowers, how they struggle for life just for the frost to tear them down. Those of you that plant them, if you haven't already, you'll be planting them in a few weeks. Oh, they're beautiful. You'll water them and you'll put miracle grow on them and everything because they bring a bright spot. They do something to us. And you'll struggle and struggle and keep them as pretty as long as you can. But inevitably, death will strike them. You don't hear it. I don't hear it. But the crying sons of God come back. Come back, sons of God, so we won't have to die. Look at the trees, how they struggle to hold their branches out to sing glories unto God. See, everything, all nature, all animals, all birds, how he flies from the enemy quickly and gets away, everything groaning. 
And we ourselves, said Paul, we groan too with them. For we're waiting for the redemption of our body. We're waiting for the fullness of adoption. This will take place when? At the first resurrection. That's when our bodies will be changed from these vile creatures. Can you say amen to that? Are you a vile creature? That we are and will have a body like his own glorious body for we shall see him as he is. And we will be like him and when he appears we shall appear in his likeness and we'll have a body like his. A glorious glorified body. I love this. And all the trials and the struggles of life will fade off into a little mist and blow away never to be no more. Oh, Jesus. And all the trials and struggles of life will fade off into a little mist and blow away never to be no more. And these earthly tabernacles which we now groan in, we're waiting for that, that earnest of the salvation fully in his fullness to come. But now in these tabernacles of clay, we have something that tells us, thank God for the something. We have something that tells us that we have raised up so far. Amen. What is the earnest? It's the little down payment that holds it. Praise God. Aren't you glad you got the down payment? Let me close. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth and pain together till now, not only they, but ourselves also, which are the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Oh my, oh my. Don't that make us old folks feel good? Now I read this whenever I was a younger man, for sure, 30 years ago, and it made me feel good then. It sure makes me feel good now. Come on now, saints. I don't care. I don't care. You know, every one of us, some of us, we lose our teeth. Some of us, we lose our hair. I ain't lost my hair, but I lost my collar. I've still got a head full of hair, but it ain't the collar was that God gave me. So either way, we lose. Come on, say amen. Oh my, some of you still got your teeth, but you've got all kinds of back pain, and you've got this and that and the other. Every one of us need a new body. And there is a nobody waiting for us. How do I know? I can drill cord by the word of God and find out I am more than a creature of time. I go plumb back when this was in the original mind of God. I drill core my soul and see what am I? What do I want? Where did I come from? Where am I going? I'm not of Laodicea. I'm not of time. I am amen. part of eternal life. We understand this will take place. At the first resurrection, nature is groaning. We are groaning. Everything is groaning. Because we realize something's not right. And the only way you can groan and wait for it, amen, is because there has been new life come in here that speaks of a new world. That's the core drill of your title deed.
Now these things, the groaning in our bodies, did you ever notice a tree, how it struggles for life? It wants to live. You notice an animal, how in death, how it struggles. You notice a human being, everything, nature is groaning. We in ourselves are groaning, see? We know there's something wrong. We see from these verses that something has been lost, both to man and earth. Creation of all type has lost something. For we see from this inspired word that it's groaning for some reason. You don't groan unless there's a reason of it. As I spoke of the ink, it's a reason. Praise God. So how many millions or billions of years old? You think you've been longing for a change. Aren't you glad... God hasn't got this set up so it's reincarnation. That you live one life and then you come back and you might be an ant the next time. Or you might be a fly. Or you might be a flea. My goodness, life is bad enough. And this one time around, I can imagine doing it about four or five times. Thank God for believing the truth, friends. Thank God for the truth. You know, the Hindus believe in reincarnation. Many different religions down through time have believed in reincarnation. But thank God, we don't believe in reincarnation. We believe in regeneration and resurrection. Thank God. The earth, millions or billions of years old, how she's laid in this darkened chaos, how she's functioning even this day. She must rejoice when the spring equinox come around, the spring solstice, and her temperature begins to warm. And one more time, think of it. The winter of 2018 might be the last one you'll ever see. Oh, what if it ain't? What if it ain't? I'll be one go closer to God, one year closer to God in the winter of 2019. I'm a winner either way. Praise God. So if God could core drill your soul, down to the very beginning and pull out the core he wouldn't find Whitson Reagan, Walker, Babb Yon Smith, whatever your name is he'd pull out his gene and say yep you go plumb back before there was even time you don't go back 55 million you go back to when I was back in that gene and that thought of God you go back into the very existence of the eternal Yep, from the looks of this cord rail, you've got a great future. Of course, the scientists are scared to death, and we've got to get rid of our cows, and we've got to get rid of our cars, and we've got to get rid of our airplanes because the earth is warm. And I said, praise God. She's warming. She's warming. <laughs> Amen. You believe whatever you want to believe. I believe, my brother, sister, we are the generation that will see the going home of the bride. Let's bow our heads together. Thank you today, Papa. Thank you for this service. Thank you for your word to help us, to encourage us. Lord, I love, I love springtime.
the trees, the flowers, the grass. But, Lord, another fact that I love about it so much is the birds. The birds that flew away in our late fall and went to South America and Honduras and Mexico and different places that they went. They flew back and they made their way back. Oh, I love to get out of the morning, Lord, and just hear them. And they're just singing like they'd sing their little hearts out to the top of their voice. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. The winter is past. The time of the birds singing has arrived. Before long, Lord, this earth will go into her other phase, phase four. The nuclear winter will be past. No doubt the nuclear fallout will be horrific on this earth. The ashes, the dust, the terrible time that it'll be. But with your creative power, you once again will move. And the dawn of that seventh morning, praise God, the grass will come up, the trees, the birds will start singing a new millennium song. And the saints of God will walk out on this new earth. Lord Jesus, help us, I pray, Father. May we be ready, Lord. Think of it is, Father, we don't know any of us don't have a promise of living to this afternoon. So the important thing is that we live ready every day. That we don't look for signs and this and that and the other, then we get right. I don't want to live my life that way. I want to give you my life totally and completely every day, Lord. So I'm ready at any hour, at any time. Keep us by your grace, Father. Lord, you see the youth camp coming up this week, Lord. I pray you'd help Brother Andrew and myself, Father. Lord, some of those young people gathering there from different parts of the states, Canada, and different places. Oh, Lord God, help us to be led by your Spirit, Lord. Maybe there's some that'll come lost, some that'll come with suicide demons on them, all kinds of things that they'll bring along. But may the Lord God move among us. Lord, Brother Ron, the brothers going to Switzerland for the meetings there. I pray, Father, you'd be with them. Different meetings going on around the country at Easter time because it's a time of resurrection. Help us, Lord Jesus. We love you, Father. All of our hearts. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Eternity awaits us. Come away, my love. Come away. My love, come away. Thank you, Jesus. I have waited for this day. I could give to you my name. Eternity awaits us. A banquet is prepared A host of angels gather For the celebration there 
The bride is almost ready in spotless white array. A hush falls over heaven as the groom begins to say. verse 2 I loved you before creation long before you came to me I carried that love with me all the way to Calvary though it wasn't over when they laid me in the tomb proved my love would never die I rose again for you Shake hands with somebody as we sing it once again. Come away. Thank God that's your brother, sister. I want to meet you there. I want to see you there that day. bless you saints I love you so much may the Lord keep you be back Lord willing after the Easter camp God bless you we appreciate the word of the Lord this
after service. Also, Brother Michael wanted to announce this morning again that the pavilion will be open this year. Um, right now, it'll be open normal as it has been in the past until construction starts. And then once that starts, they'll make another announcement of how to access the pavilion after construction has started. So, amen. All hearts clear this morning. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I tell you what, uh, it just gets gooder and gooder. <laughs> Amen. Let's sing that this morning as you go. Amen. God bless you today. Have a wonderful afternoon. Well, come 